in a uh, series called A Journey Through Luke. And uh, as was mentioned, uh, the kids are going to be learning about Lent. Uh, Ash Wednesday started on Wednesday. We're not a Catholic church, but we do recognize the importance of the church, the Big C Church calendar. And so um, it's not too late if there's something that you would like to give up for Lent or there's something you would like to add to, to, uh, uh, to this 40 days before Easter, uh, I encourage you to do that. This morning, I'm going to be talking about uh, one of the things that we typically think about when we think about Lent, and that is temptation. And uh, we are in Luke chapter 4, and uh, I typically, in the morning, uh, after I've done all my study for the week, I typically preach my sermon in my garage, right, uh, to, to time it out, to practice it or whatever. I've led my table saw to the Lord like 15 times. So <laughs> anyway, it's a ter terrible, terrible joke. Anyway, um, and welcome to those who are online. And you're glad, you're, glad you're not here, right? You're like, I've, I should, I'm glad I'm in my house. Okay, so, um, so I do that. This morning I preached it three times because I felt like I didn't make the connection that I want so desperately for you to get this morning. And so uh, we're going to get right into it right away. What's happened is Jesus has been um, uh, baptized, okay? And we have our first uh, thing of the Trinity. Hey, Mark, can you do me a favor? And that HDMI underneath your thing, can you unplug it and plug it back in again? Because that's going to drive me crazy. Um, and so, or we can just turn the TV off. Okay, thanks. Uh, so uh, he's been baptized, and we see God the Father say, uh, this is my son with whom I'm well pleased, and we see the Holy Spirit descending on Jesus like a dove. Now, we don't know if that was an actual dove, but either way, it's cool, okay? Even if it's just a dove, it's like, you know, it's like, that's really cool. So we have the Trinity there. And guess what the first thing the Holy Spirit has Jesus do in his ministry? Watch. Jesus, full of the Holy Spirit, left the Jordan and was led by the Spirit into the wilderness. He didn't start a TV campaign. He didn't start, uh, uh, his ministry didn't start with feeding the 5,000. That would be a great way to get people to come to church. You feed them right away. You know, you just have a breakfast or whatever. You, you do it, feeding the 5,000. He doesn't do that. Listen, he's full of the Holy Spirit he leaves what's comfortable, what he's known for 30 years, and he's led by the Spirit into the wilderness. Let me just tell you something. The wilderness you may be going through now might be something that the Holy Spirit is leading you through. And I know you want it to end I know you want it to be over. I know you're praying, God, please, I, I can't go through this. But we know from the Psalms, even though I walk through the valley of the shadow of death, I fear no evil for you are with me, your rod and your staff, they comfort me. The desert you're in, the wilderness you're in might be a time of testing that the Holy Spirit needs you to go through right now. And that's what happens with Jesus. It says, where for 40 days he was tempted by the devil. He ate nothing during those days. <laughs> this is so awesome. Only for Jesus. And at the end of them, he was hungry. Right? If this was written and John was led into the wilderness for 40 minutes, 
at the end of them, he would be hungry. That's what it would say. But it's, but it's Jesus. So he ate nothing during those days, and at the end of them, he was hungry. And watch what happens. The devil says to him, if you are the son of God, the Greek here is a rhetorical. It's kind of like we all know you're the son of God, right? Tell this stone to become bread. Now, I want, you to, I want this to be clear, that um, turning a stone into bread is not a sin, there's nothing in the Bible that says, thou shalt not turn stones into bread. But listen how crafty the enemy is. He's tempting him with something that's not sin. And let me tell you, he might be tempting you with something that's not sin. But just to get you inching a little closer to the kingdom that is not the kingdom of God. Right? It's not a sin to go out with a coworker and have lunch. That's not a sin. It's not in the Bible. Thou shalt not go out to lunch with someone at work from the opposite sex. It's not in there. It's not a sin, right? But the enemy might be talking to you about that. It's not a sin to go to a certain gym. It's not a sin to eat certain foods. It's not a sin to do all these things, but there he is. Now, some scholars, uh, if you read this, they, they say that there's a certain stone in the desert that looks like a piece of bread, and there's a <laughs> whatever, Okay. Right? He's trying to say, take your messianic power and use it for another kingdom. Use it for yourself and not the kingdom of God for which you were called to this earth. Right? Here's what Jesus says. Jesus says to him, it is written. Jesus always uses scripture when he's talking to the enemy. It's a great thing for us to do when, the, when we feel like we're being tempted, when we feel like we're being led astray, when we feel like we're, we're in our weakest state, which Jesus was. He hadn't eaten for 40 days. Scripture is perfect. Now, the scripture that Jesus uses is so awesome. It's from Deuteronomy 6, chapter 6 through 9, and, and, and all of those verses are when Moses is telling the people, look, you have to enter your new kingdom. You have to enter your land. You have to enter Israel, the promised land, okay? And so he's saying to him, we're about to enter the promised land. And Jesus, in the very same way, is saying, repent for the kingdom of heaven is at hand. There's another kingdom, another promised land. And so Jesus is riff, riffing off of these Deuteronomy verses. And so one of the things he says, he says, man, shall not live by bread alone. This is talking about manna. Somebody told me the other day, they counted how many times I put my glasses on and off. Okay, pay attention to the sermon. Okay. <clears throat> pay attention to my glasses. What's wrong with you people? This is the house of God, okay? This isn't some variety show. All right. So that's what he says. So the devil leads him to a high place and shows him in an instant all the kingdoms of the world. This is such awesome language, all the kingdoms of the world, because that is going to be one of the ways the enemy, the devil, yes, I do believe in the devil, right, is going to try to lead you. There's culture, these different cultures. And so he's going to lead you and show you this culture of sexuality and your sexual ethic, this culture of how to handle your finances, this culture of how you speak, what entertainment you, you consume, how, what social media looks like, what you post, what you email, what you text, all these different things. And this is what he shows Jesus. He goes, I'll show him all the kingdoms of the world. But what's the kingdom that Jesus is interested in? One, the kingdom of God. Repent, for the kingdom of God is near. Thank you for turning that off, by the way. Uh, 
He says, and this is so classic, Satan. Like you're trying to tempt Jesus. Okay, so, and he said to him, I will give you all their authority and splendor. It has been given to me and I can give it to anyone I want. If you worship me, it'll all be yours. Now, this is, you're talking to the God of the universe, right? It's like I have a really crass analogy. I have a little dog, and my little dog eats food, and then the food passes through his body and goes into our backyard. Now, imagine you went and you picked up all of those elements, and you held them in a bag and said, this can all be yours, <laughs> right? Like, this is what the enemy's saying. Like, you want, oh, you can be famous. And Jesus is like, ugh. Like, oh, you can have all sorts of money. Oh, man, no, I have money. I don't, it's difficult for a rich man to enter the kingdom of heaven. Like, it's not, that's difficult. Oh, you can have all the women you want. Like, nah, I just, I, I, I don't want that, right? So he says, here's what Jesus says. It is written, worship the Lord your God and serve him only. Again, from Deuteronomy. Telling the people of Israel, when you enter this new kingdom, when you enter this new land, the kingdom of uh, Israel, remember this. And Jesus is saying, repent, for the kingdom of heaven is uh, at hand, and you, serve, uh, uh, you worship the Lord and serve him only. So he brings again scripture to Satan. Many of us, myself included, Oftentimes, I struggle, if I struggle with a temptation or whatever, I'm trying to manage it on my own. Like, well, I'm not going to look at that. I'm not going to spend money on that. I'm not going to do this or that. When it's just, sometimes it's just like, Lord, your word is like giving me everything I need. One time Jesus says this. He's, uh, he's um, talking to this woman at the well. It's a famous, a famous story of Jesus. He's, it's a well, and there's a Samaritan woman there. And when his disciples come back, they see him talking to a woman, which at that time was not uh, common, okay? And, and uh, they said, Jesus, do you want something to eat? And he says, my food is to do the will of my heavenly father and to finish the work he has asked me to do. This is the same thing. You will love the Lord your God and serve him only. So the devil leads him to Jerusalem and had him stand at the highest point of uh, of the temple. Now, I don't know how this went down. Like, if they're, like, got row, like, I don't know if they could just instantly, like, be at the highest point, or they, like, people are like, hey, get, get off of there. Or like, I don't know how they got up there. But this is what happened. Highest point of the temple. If you are the son of God, he said, throw yourself down from here, for it is written, now Satan is using scripture, and he's completely misquoting it. Completely. This is from Psalm uh, he, uh, he said, he will command his angels concerning you to guard you carefully. They will lift you up in their hands so that you will not strike your foot against a stone. As a matter of fact, that whole psalm starts with the temple. Those who dwell in the temple of the Most High will rest in the shadow of the Almighty, right? So it's, it's, it's just comical to me that he would use that phrasing and forget the beginning of it. And so he misquotes it. And Jesus says, do not put the Lord your God to the test. Okay. And then it says this, when the devil had finished all this tempting, I just love, I love that, just all this tempting stuff. He left him until an opportune time. When you get done with your tempting, whatever he's doing to tempt you, 
it doesn't just end. <laughs> Those muscles you built for removing temptation out of your life are going to be used again and again and again and again. Now, when I first read this, I started thinking to myself, a more opportune time, like that was your best shot devil at Jesus. He hadn't been eating, eating for 40 days. He's weak. He's tired, all this kind of stuff. Like that was your best shot. And then I remembered there was another time that Satan tempted him. I don't know if you remember this, but Peter goes, you're not going to die. And Jesus says, get behind me, Satan. And my joke is that if Jesus calls you Satan, you're kind of in big trouble, right? But he wasn't talking to Peter. He was talking to Satan. <laughs> like, don't try to tempt me with I'm not going to die. I have to go through with this. And that is the story of the gospel. And so, uh, um, so I just, I inserted, you're not supposed to do this, and Dr. Metcalf would be upset at me, but I, I inserted another gospel thing in here. You're supposed to read it by itself, which we're not going to do at all today. But, uh, but I inserted this because Matthew gives a little bit more uh, things, and it helps my sermon. <laughs> then the devil left him, and behold, check this out. Angels came and began to minister to him. There was an ending to the temptation. And our Heavenly Father provided something to minister. I I'm, I'm just want you to hear this. If you are in a season, a desert, a wilderness season, and you just feel like, oh, I don't know if I can make it, he will lead you through the valley of the shadow of and you will be ministered to. It's a promise. He promises it. Now, it might not be angels. Jesus was kind of special. We understand that. But it'll be something. It might be a phone call from a brother or sister. It might be uh, someone who just uh, provides you with something. And um, so we don't know what it might be for you, but we do know this. So, so okay, so I, let's get back to Luke again. Jesus returned to Galilee. Listen, in the power of the Spirit. He was filled with the Holy Spirit. He was led by the Holy Spirit. And now he's operating in the power of the Holy Spirit. Listen, we all want the power of the Holy Spirit. Then we need to, as Galatians says, keep in step, or the Corinthians, keep in step with the Spirit. We got to go where he leads, and we got to put up with what he allows us to go through. And then we have the power of the Holy Spirit. It doesn't go the other way. You're filled with the Holy Spirit. You're led by the Holy Spirit. He returns in the power of the Holy Spirit. The news about him spread through the whole countryside. Now listen to this. This is so fascinating to me. Because do you remember what the devil promised him? Oh, I'll give you all the kingdoms of the world. You want to be popular? I'll give it to you. Watch. He was teaching in their synagogues, and everyone praised him. So he already got that kingdom. He's already popular. But you know what happens? 11 verses later, they try to throw him off a cliff. That's the bag I was talking about. It might seem important at first. Oh, but Jesus is so popular. man. How many of you have thought this? I'm going to be honest with you. I'm going to be honest. I've thought about if LeBron James became a believer, that would be great for the church. Right? Because he's famous. And then I'd kind of look good because I'm a pastor. And like, hey, do you know LeBron? I'm like, no, I could, but, you know, whatever. Right? The kingdom of the world, uh, the kingdom of heaven doesn't work that way, right? Everyone's praising Jesus. 11 verses later, they're going to throw him off a cliff and read your Bible. You guys got to read your Bible. He went full ninja on him. And they're just like, where'd he go? And he's just like, it's really cool. And so, right? Okay. 
So this is the deal. So he goes through this temptation and he gets through it. He's filled with the Holy Spirit. He's led by the Holy Spirit and he returns in the power of the Holy Spirit. Now we're going to do something completely different. We're going to Hebrews, okay? And here's why. The parallel between Hebrews and this passage in Luke as it relates to the gospel and as it relates to you and I is amazing to me. And maybe I'm stretching this, but when you see what Hebrews writes and you think about what we just read in Luke, it's phenomenal. And this is why I had to preach it three times because I want you to get this. This is the gospel of the kingdom. You ready? All right. Put on your big boy pants and your big girl pants, okay? We end Hebrews chapter 1 with this. Now, this is going to be obscure at first, but trust me, you'll catch up. He just comes out of nowhere. Are not all angels ministering spirits sent to serve those who will inherit salvation? And remember who the angels ministered to at the end of his time? It was Jesus, right? After the temptation. So the writer of Hebrews is just going... Aren't angels ministering uh, uh, spirits sent to serve those, right? So we see a ministering spirit. We see an angel talking to Mary in Luke. We see an angel talking to Zechariah in Luke. We see an angel talking to Joseph. We see angels talking to Abraham. They come and they're messengers of God. Watch, okay? So even though we're going to 114, 14's the last verse of chapter 1, okay? So the very next verse is this, we must pay the most careful attention, therefore. Wake up, basically, what he's saying. Watch out. It doesn't say it here, but your enemy, the devil, prowls around like a roaring lion seeking someone to devour. Get Open your eyes. This is serious business, the writer of Hebrews is saying. We must pay the most careful attention, therefore, to what we have heard so that we do not drift away. Not run away, not speed away, just drift away. It just starts with, hey, why don't you turn that stone into bread? It's not a sin. I read the whole Bible, nothing in there. Jesus, why don't you go ahead and do that? Why don't you just, hey, 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 I, all these kingdoms of the world, popularity, all these things, all these things, just, just whatever. Yeah, that's just a show you're watching. That's fine. It's fine. This is just music. Ain't a big deal. Yeah, come on, say your culture. You grew up that way. Just drift away. Wake up. Be careful. Jesus was so cautious for those 40 days. When he becomes hungry, when he's at his weakest, he is spot on ready to go. Turn that stone into bread. Nah, man doesn't live by bread alone. It's written, right? For since the message spoken through angels was binding, okay, so you look through all the angelic stuff in the Bible, it's all binding, and every violation and disobedience received its just punishment, okay, they weren't kidding around, watch, this salvation, which was first announced by the Lord, what was the salvation, repent for the kingdom of heaven is at hand, there's another kingdom, the salvation is not just heaven, it's that you're free from the other kingdoms. You're free from having to compare yourself to anybody else. You're free from having to feel entitled. Do you know how, how much bondage there is in entitlement? 
Everything's unfair because you didn't get your way. You're, you're free from that. This salvation, which was first announced by the Lord, he also says it this way. You've heard it said, do not commit adultery. I say, don't even look upon a woman lustfully. You've heard it said, do not commit murder. I've said, don't even be angry. It's a different kingdom. Was confirmed to us by those who heard him. In other words, the writer of Hebrews is just like the writer of Luke, who wasn't there when Jesus was around, but he was with people that heard Jesus firsthand, okay? God also testified to, uh, to it by signs, wonders, various miracles. This is the life of Jesus. It's also the life of the early church and by gifts of the Holy Spirit distributed according to his will, right? So we all have as the body of Christ, as the ecclesia, the gathering, the church, each of us has different gifts. That's all the writer of Hebrews is saying. But remember what he said before, pay careful attention. Watch out. This salvation is so important, you do not want to drift away. Is it, it is not to angels that he subjected the world to come, about which we are speaking, but there is a place where someone has testified. I just, I don't know why the author wrote that. It's Psalm 8. Like, I don't, maybe he just wasn't, he's like, I know it's in the Bible somewhere. It doesn't matter. And he just wrote it down. I don't know. But he says, where someone has testified, what is mankind that you are mindful of him? This, this psalm starts out with, man, look at the moon and the stars and the galaxy. And God, you did that with your fingers. What is mankind that you're mindful? And the son of man that you take care of. Uh, that you care for him. You made them a little lower than the angels and crowned them with glory and honor and put everything under their feet. Now, this does not mean that we are to conquer the earth. What it means is those other kingdoms have no power over you. They don't have to have any power. The Bible says you're more than conquerors. And so when we step into the kingdom of God, when we repent, when we change our thinking, and we, 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 we step into the kingdom of God, those other things have no power. How you were defined as a kid, as you think you're defined now through your education or socioeconomic status or your paint job, the color of your skin or whatever it is, those things have no power, not when it comes to the kingdom of God. He puts everything under their feet. He goes on, in putting... Everything under them, God left nothing that is not subject to them. Yet, listen, at present, we do not see everything subject to them. Like, isn't that true? Like, you feel like, okay, I'm more than a conqueror. I can handle anything. It doesn't matter what the, what the economic status is. It doesn't matter what the economy is going to do. It doesn't matter who gets elected in 2024. I guess there's an election coming up. I can't remember. But uh, it doesn't matter, right, right, right? But the writer says, yeah, but I know you can't see it. And then he says this. Five words that are amazing, and I... I couldn't get through it this morning, so. Ah. But we do see Jesus. Whew. You might not see it now, what you're going through. You might feel like, man, the world's winning, Pastor. The world is winning right now. Culture is winning. The writer of Hebrews says, I know you can't see it now, but, but we can see Jesus. We can see Jesus. Whew, I love it. 
But we do see Jesus, who was made lower than the angels for a little while, now crowned with glory and honor because he suffered death, so that by the grace of God, he might taste death for everyone. This is the gospel. This is the good news. No matter what you're going through, no matter how the enemy is tempting you, no matter how dark you think it is, no matter what dysfunctional, nasty family you grew up with, all of those things, they're subject under your feet as a follower of Jesus. You have the authority. You have the power. If you're full of the Holy Spirit, led by the Holy Spirit, you walk in the power of the Holy Spirit. Amen. Heck yeah. Amen. Am I allowed to say that? Okay. <laughs> okay. Sorry. I'm preaching. I can't help it. Watch what he says. This is so cool. In bringing many sons and daughters to glory, it was fitting that God, for, for whom and through whom everything exists. Remember that psalm uh, uh, where he says that you, you created everything by the works of your fingers who everything exists, should make the pioneer of their salvation perfect through what he suffered. They're talking about the cross. They're talking about, he's talking about Jesus. But it goes on. It's even better than this. Both the one who makes people holy and those who are made holy, listen, are of the same family, you guys. Because, okay, first of all, we're all in the same, if you're a follower of Jesus, we're all in the same family. Forget Baptists, Presbyterians, all those things. I mean, free Methodist is the best, okay? But, but forget all that. We're all part of the same family all over the world. And guess who is in that family? Guess who is the head of that family? It is Jesus. So Jesus is not ashamed to call them brothers and sisters. This is amazing. What kingdom of the earth can succeed under this kingdom? None. None. The only time it succeeds is when I allow it to succeed in my life. When I can't get through those 40 days, or I can't get through the week, or I have to say this thing, because if I don't say it, no one will. We're part of this same family. He says, oh, this is incredible. Just Give me a second. I will declare your name to my brothers and sisters. In the assembly, I will sing your praises. And again, I will put my trust in him. And again, he says, here I am, or here am I, and the children God has given me. This is Psalm 22. Psalm 22 is quoted very, very famously in verse 1. So this, it's a psalm of lament. This particular thing is really happy. I will declare your name to my brothers and sisters. Oh, isn't that happy? Isn't that great? Do you know how Psalm 22 starts out? My God, my God, why have you forsaken me? Jesus says it on the cross. He says it on the cross to quote Psalm and then it ends up with what the work he did on the cross is that we become brothers and sisters. Come on, son. Whew. So Hebrews quotes that. And then listen to this. This is so exciting. Since we are going to stay in Luke next week. I just want you to know that, okay? So we moved on. But since the children have flesh and blood, he too shared in their humanity so that by his death he might break the power of him who holds the power of death, the one that tried to, to tempt him in the, in the desert, the devil. That is the devil. Jesus has the power over sin and death and whatever you're being tempted in. 
That thing that you want to give up for Lent, and you're going, I don't know if I can do it. You can do it through the power of the Holy Spirit. I love that. He, too, shared in their humanity. If you don't think you have a God that understands what you're going through and understands your temptation, you don't know Jesus. He knows everything. And free those who all their lives were held in slavery by their fear of death. Just as Moses in Deuteronomy tells the people, look, you're out of slavery now. Here's how you enter the kingdom. So Jesus says to the devil, I don't want your stupid outcomes. Just as he says to Satan look, and to us, enter into that kingdom. Don't drift away. Don't drift away. We're held in slavery by their fear of death. For surely, it is not the angels he helps, but essentially us. Isn't that amazing? You think angels are so important. They are, by the way. They're frightening. So I don't come down and visit me. But right? No, it's us. He died for us. He went through that temptation for us. Right? For this reason, he had to be made like them. Fully human in every way. That's the Jesus I follow. I can't explain it, man. It's the gospel. Shouldn't it be kind of hard to explain? Right? If you're talking about God, you're talking about a deity, three in one, shouldn't it be hard? If it's easy, what, what good is that? Fully human in every way. This is how we get the idea that Jesus was fully God and fully man at the same time. Okay, we didn't just make that up. In order that he might become a merciful and faithful high priest in service to God. And that he might make atonement for the sins of the people. Now listen, this is the, this is the best news. This is the best news, you guys. Verse 18, okay? Verse 18. Because he himself suffered when he was tempted, he is able to help those are being tempted. You know who that is? That's us, y'all. That's us. Because Jesus went through that 40 days, and it said he was being tempted the whole time. We only have the three times, but it says that during the 40 days, he was tempted by the devil. I don't know what those things were. Because he made it, he says to us, you can make it. Because he did it. Okay, Watch what two chapters later it says in, in, in chapter 4. I'm going to get a strongly worded email from Dr. Metcalf. He's like, you, you're bouncing all around the place. It's, uh, all right, I'm, I'm, I'm called by God to do this. Okay. <laughs> Listen, for we do not have a high priest who is unable to empathize with our weaknesses. Is that exciting? When we go to Jesus and we say, Jesus, this is the dumbest thing you've probably ever heard. He's like, come on, I've, I experienced that. What is it? Let me hear it, right? We have a high priest that is, is, that who is not unable, who's un, uh, we do not have a high priest who is unable to empathize with our weakness, but we have one who has been tempted in every way, just as we are, yet he did not sin because he understood the kingdom. He understood the kingdom of God, and he knew all those other things that culture is going to tell you is important, that culture says is, is whatever it is. No, it, it's not worth it. It's never worth it. 
He did not sin. So what do we do with that? Oh, he didn't sin and I did. Oh, man, I feel bad. No. Let us approach uh, God's throne of grace with confidence so that we may receive mercy and find grace to help in our time of need. I want to end with this as the worship team comes back up. And then I want to lead us into a prayer. If you've never prayed a prayer to ask Jesus to be the Lord of your life, we're going to do that after these two verses. Because it's the most important decision you're going to make. And all the decision you're making is this. I'm tired of these other kingdoms, man. I'm tired of trying to be king of my own life. I'm tired of trying to find meaning and purpose outside of something greater than I am. Here's what he says. 1 Corinthians, very famous. 1 Corinthians 10, 13. No temptation has overtaken you except what is common to mankind. Okay? So we're all going through the same stuff together, okay? Uh, And God is faithful. He will not let you be tempted beyond what you can bear. That's bad news and good news, huh? Right? Because wouldn't it be nice to say, well, I couldn't bear that. Like, ah, that would be nice. So it's bad news you can't. It doesn't let us off the hook. But here's the good news. When you are tempted, he will also provide a way out so that you can endure it. Jesus was dead serious when he's talking about this kingdom. He's ushering in a new kingdom, and that kingdom is still available for you today. It wasn't just Jesus coming and dying on the cross. There have been Christians throughout all the centuries that have realized what it's like to give your life over to him. And so here's what I want to do. I want to I lead us in a prayer. And uh, you can pray this if you've been a Christian for a long time. I've probably prayed this prayer 50 times. I probably accepted the Lord 50 times, okay? I don't know which one stuck, but one of them did, okay? And so maybe for you, this is a prayer of recommitment. You're like, you know what? Maybe this Lenten season, I'm, 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 I'm gonna, I, gotta, I gotta get back. I've drifted too far away. Maybe for you, you're just like, I gotta, I gotta do something different. I, I, I need him. I need him. And he's faithful to forgive you of all your sins. You say, John, you don't know my sins. If you knew my sins, he can't forgive that. Absolutely he can. His blood was shed for all. And we all fall short. So I'm gonna lead us in a prayer and... Uh, And I'm going to keep our eyes closed because I'm going to have you raise your hand if you make this commitment because I want to see, I I want you to feel the weight of this commitment because it's a a good one. So you just repeat after me. If if you're upset about saying it out loud, he hears your voice in your mind as well. Just close our eyes and bow our heads. Dear Jesus. I want your kingdom. I'm tired of doing it on my own. I've messed up in sin, in my goals, in my relationships. I need your forgiveness. Would you please enter my heart? Would you please be my king? Forgive me of all my mistakes. And Lord, today, I want to follow you forever. 
your name. Amen. I'd like you to keep your eyes closed and your heads bowed because I, for those of you who made this commitment for the very first time, would you raise your hand and look at me? I want to acknowledge this commitment. Thank you so much. Thank you so much. That's very bold. Thank you. Yeah. It takes courage. Thank you. Thank you. Amen. Amen. My hat's off to you guys. He's so good. We're going to end with one final song. And, uh, the altar's open and you can come up and pray, kneel at the altar. I do this every Sunday. I walk around and pray because I just want to start my week off, reset it, give my life to him, give my hopes, my dreams, my plans to him. And so you might want to do that. You don't have to. You can stay in your seat and just sing the song or whatever. But there will also be some people right by the cross. And maybe you want, to, you want prayer for something specific. You want to do that as well. So I'm going to lead us in a prayer, and then uh, we'll have this time, and then I'll come back up at the end and bless us, and we can be on our way. Lord Jesus, you're so good. You're so good. Thank you for making it through all those temptations to be tempted in every way. And you made it. And you tell us, follow me. Do what I do. Those kingdoms are not worth it. The, the bread and whatever impulse you have. It's not worth it. It's not worth it. We thank you that you are worth it in your precious name. Now, in the name of the Father, and the Son, and the Holy Spirit, I pray you would go in his grace, in his mercy, in his strength, in his boldness.